Hello everybody and welcome to the first installment of the Sagebrush Spotlight. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. The whole purpose of this podcast is to kind of recap the news that's happened in the past week pertaining to UNR. I'm getting the news off the articles written on by our writers and posted on the Nevada Sagebrush website. Even if you're listening to this, make sure you go read the articles on the website because the writers worked really hard on those articles and deserve the recognition as well. Along with that, I'm not going to be able to cover every article for the week in my podcast, so by going to the website, you can find even more articles. As I stated before, my main goal in this podcast is to give the listeners important information in an easy-to-digest way. Typically, in each episode, I'm going to cover four news stories, three sports stories, and two arts and entertainment stories. With that being said, welcome to the Sagebrush Spotlight. Welcome back. In the first segment of this show, I'm going to be covering four news stories releasing within the past month on the Nevada Sagebrush website. Up first is the raising of the graduation fee. Originally covered by Sagebrush News Editor Lizzie Ramirez, this article revolves around the increase in the price of the fee to walk for graduation. Beginning in August of 2023, UNR will be raising the graduation fee $50. This means that the college students, most of whom are already straddled by high student loan rates, will be required to pay $145 to be recognized for their accomplishments of achieving their degree. So, what does the graduation fee cover? The graduation fee covers costs of commencement, diploma printing, shipping, lighting, stage management, security, sound, technology, and so on. All of these things were required for previous graduations, so why raise the price now? Is it really due to the economy's inflation? Ramirez sat with Melissa Chirozzi, the head of commencement at UNR, to ask these questions. According to Chirozzi, the university was $200,000 short for commencement costs in the spring of 2022. Chirozzi says that, quote, the costs have gone up substantially. We are no longer able to sustain the cost with that $95 fee. Despite the raised fee, Chirozzi believes it will have a neutral impact on graduating students because, quote, people need to get their degrees. Chirozzi explained to Ramirez that the university does not want to make money off of this, but instead meet the costs that are required for a commencement ceremony. To finish their conversation, Chirozzi ensured that the university will work with anyone not able to pay that fee on a case-to-case basis. Quote, planning the commencement ceremonies is a self-supporting operation. Therefore, the rising fees are inevitable, says Ramirez. After the July 2019 explosion of the boiler room, Argenta Hall, a student dormitory, has officially opened again and students are once again permitted to live in the residence hall. On August 16, 2022, University President and Vice President Brian Sandoval and Shannon Ellis held the grand reopening of Argenta Hall. Madison Wonko, the assistant news editor at the Nevada Sagebrush, writes about the many improvements that came with reopening Argenta. According to Dean Kennedy, the executive director of residential life, housing, and dining services, the building was not renovated because of what occurred, but because of student feedback. Quote, students want more places to study. I think it was a student that had the idea of consolidating the laundry room so that everybody from the building basically would be doing laundry together, Kennedy explained. But these executives are not the ones living in the residence hall. Luckily, the renovations are receiving positive feedback from students. Casey Meyer, a junior Argenta Hall resident, says that the hall has been renovated in a way to not feel confining or stressful. A major hit among students, however, is the new dining establishments. The Down Under Cafe gives students 13 dining stations to choose from, including Thrive, which does not use nine major allergens, diversifying the dining experience. Coming soon to Argenta Hall is the Halal Shack, which will be one of the latest open dining areas on the entire UNR campus, open from noon to midnight. Due to staffing issues, the Halal Shack has not opened yet. According to Wonko, the reopening of Argenta Hall has been a positive experience for many residents. At a university who is consistently criticized by their students for not having enough parking, students look with hope to the Gateway Parking Complex being built on the south side of campus. However, this parking garage has been designated for staff and faculty only. 
Adding 811 new spaces, the Director of Faculties and Parking and Transportation Services is excited for the opening of the new garage slated for December of 2022. Quote, this garage is really exciting because we have not had ample parking on the south side of campus in a long time, says Michelle Horton. While most of this garage is for university staff, there are some spaces that allow anyone to pay for timed parking. Along with this, the university will allow students with the correct parking pass to park in the garage after 5.30 p.m. The decision to make this garage staff only surprised many students. According to Carly Sanguinetti, a UNR sophomore, quote, the major issue is not that the new parking garage is only for faculty and staff. It is that there is not enough parking on campus in general for everyone that goes to school or works at UNR. With December 2022 rapidly approaching, the people of UNR will soon reap the benefits of the Gateway Parking Complex, or at least the staff will. Reporting on this story was done by Assistant News Editor Madison Wonko. 114 miles from Reno rests Forest Hill, California, the main area where the mosquito fire is burning. The smoke from this fire has traveled east to cover Reno in a thick layer of gray smoke. Wednesday, September 14th, the Office of the President sent an email to all students, faculty, and staff relaying the good news that classes for that day had been canceled, with an AQI reaching hazardous levels of upwards of 300. The smoke had become quite a nuisance for the students of UNR. With the canceling of scheduled events, many are disappointed with how the smoke is affecting the Reno area. Sean Dorado, a junior resident assistant at the Nevada Living Learning Community, shared with news editor Lizzie Ramirez his disappointment for the cancellation of the first intramural flag football game on September 13th. The smoke does more than affect intramural sports, however. Breathing in the smoke from this fire is very dangerous for our lungs and can cause diseases such as lung cancer. This becomes a problem for residence halls such as Manzanita Hall, a dorm without AC. Trace Wolfgang, a senior in Manzanita Hall, keeps their windows open most of the time. Due to the smoke, they had to choose between letting the smoke into their room or sleeping in a room that can get up to 90 degrees. Wolfgang tells Ramirez that residents in Manzanita Hall are choosing to go to different halls where their friends live rather than staying in the room that they pay for. However, as time passed, the air quality in Reno has gotten much better. As of September 26th at 8.30 p.m., the AQI in Reno has gone down to 26, a sign of the further cessation of the mosquito fire, now 60% contained. With the conclusion of the news stories, we're going to be taking a short break to catch our breath, and we'll be right back with sports and arts and entertainment. I'm your host, Patrick McNabb, and you're listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight. Nevada football is back. On September 3rd, Sagebrush volunteer reporter Derek Raridan covered the at-home victory against Texas State. Fifth-year defensive back Bentley Sanders was on fire, putting up two interceptions, one pick-six, and a forced fumble to lead the Wolfpack to their 38-14 win. By the end of the first quarter, the Wolfpack was up 14-0 due to Sanders' first interception with 3 minutes and 39 seconds left, leaving the pack on the Bobcats' 35-yard line. The work continued all the way to the third quarter where Sandals forced a fumble from Bobcats running back Lincoln Pear, which was recovered by Wolfpack linebacker Maurice Wilmer. This combined with a second interception from Sanders, the Wolfpack went into the fourth quarter with a 38-7 lead. The game finished with the Wolfpack taking the victory, with the final score being 38-14. According to Raritan, all of the Wolfpack defense put in work with four sacks and six tackles for loss disregarding sacks. The Nevada women's soccer team traveled to Las Cruces, New Mexico for their game on September 9th. Before this, the Wolfpack took the victory at 4-0 against Sacramento State. However, this game was unfortunately different. Senior Brooklyn Blake continued her shot streak from the Sacramento State game, putting up two shots in the game against the Aggies. 
Kicking off her stats for the season, sophomore Allie Little got her first shot of the season. By the end of the game, Nevada had racked up a total of seven shots against the Aggies. Unfortunately, this was not enough to beat them. Their goalkeeper McKenna Gottschalk didn't let any of the Nevada shots go through. The Aggies played a hard game, making one goal in the first half and three in the second half. Reporting for this story was done by Nevada Sagebrush Sports Editor Kelsey Middleton. Fifth-year golfer Peyton Callens took first in the USF tournament on September 12th and 13th. This is his second career victory, with his first at Goodwin in March. According to Kelsey Middleton, quote, Callens started off with an even 71, with a total of five bogeys and five birdies in the first round. In round two, Callens put up seven birdies and two bogeys to put him at a negative five. Middleton writes that the rest of the Nevada golfers ended above par, with Tom Patterson tied for 23rd place, Kieta Okada tied for 31st place, Connor Motherway tied for 36th place, and Trey Davis tied for 51st place. Nevada finished 6th in that tournament. Moving on to arts and entertainment, Nevada Sagebrush Arts and Entertainment editor Jaden Young, as well as the photo editor Rachel Jackson, took to the skies for the annual Great Reno Balloon Race. Her second ride in a hot air balloon, Young writes about the history behind her pilot, Kim Lynch. Lynch's husband, David Lynch, took her for a, quote, magical hot air balloon ride to sweep them away on their first anniversary. The following year, they had the opportunity to buy a balloon of their own. Lynch has 38 years of piloting experience under her belt, with her favorite part being, quote, and the look on kids' faces, that's the best part. But not everyone owns a hot air balloon, so why do participants keep coming back? Quote, every event is unique, says Ellie Lawler, a volunteer who helps with the event. Looking to the skies at the event, the balloons were still visible through the thick smoke from the mosquito fire. Nevertheless, people showed up. With notable balloons like the Darth Vader balloon, multiple Looney Tunes character balloons, and even animals like the Western Armadillo balloon, Young believes that attending the event is a go-to for anyone who hasn't gone yet. Quote, even though the park doesn't get great cell service and it's packed with people, you'll still be amazed by the effect the balloons can have on you. Jordan Peele's final movie in his unofficial trilogy, Nope, released in theaters this past summer, and viewers have many mixed opinions on the film. Gabe Kanai, the Nevada Sagebrush opinion editor, writes this arts and entertainment article about the film. The film starring David Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer play foil characters of each other, with Kaluuya playing the serious older brother O.J. Haywood and Palmer being the energetic and comedically adept sister Emerald. Alongside them, Steven Yeun plays Jupe, a traumatized amusement park owner. Like the other two Peel movies, Nope has very clear racial connotations. With music from African-American artists, the film, quote, captures the exploitation of African-American experiences and how it backfires on the ones who exploit them. Kanai writes that his biggest issue with the film comes with the side plots. Interrupting the pace of the main storyline, these side plots, quote, only leave holes by the end of the film. Despite his critique, Kanai still enjoyed the movie, giving a voice to a culture that is often under or misrepresented. With that, that concludes this episode of the Sagebrush Spotlight. Make sure you follow the Nevada Sagebrush on Instagram and Twitter at Nevada Sagebrush, as well as following me on Instagram at Patrick.McNab and Twitter at PatrickMcNab underscore. Another episode will be out next Friday, October 7th. Once again, I'm your host, Patrick McNabb. Thanks for listening to the Sagebrush Spotlight, and I will talk to you next week. See ya.